All right, guys, welcome back to the Occasional Barista. My name is Chris, and today we're going to go over again a James Hoffman recipe or his V60 technique, the Hario V60. And the reason why we're doing this is because, of course, A, I did the one on the French press. I mean, do I use the French press that often? No. So it probably makes the most sense for me to, of course, actually review what I use on a daily basis a V60. And we'll make some comparisons to his recipe that he developed as well as the recipes that I've developed, um, you know, from my time being in the industry slash when I brew it for myself at home. So let's just dive into this. Um, we're going to start off with like the video, of course, and the video um, kind of first talks about and he talks about uh, the V60 alone and his comparison comparisons compares it to uh, the Kalita wave or the Melita. And the difference that he talks about, of course, is the resistance factor in regards to the one single large big hole on the V60 versus the Kalita wave or the Melita. Um, brewer, they basically have multiple small holes at the bottom of the brewer, which allows the end product, the coffee, to run through. Now, I mean, there's not much of a debate here. And I, again, uh, before we dive too much further, I just want to say I, I think he does a fantastic job at uh, what he does, which is he doesn't ever say this is the only way to do it. And we'll touch upon this at the end of this podcast. But he doesn't ever say this is the only like way this isn't the only um recipe you should ever follow this he also emphasizes that this is the recipe that he like found a lot of success with in his own testing to his own taste as well as other people's tastes when he was doing the testing so therefore keep that in mind and whenever you hear somebody say a recipe if they're saying this is the only recipe you need well then you should probably start having some red flags. So again, props off and hats off to James Hoffman for never doing that. Um, and that's why he also says that this recipe that I'm about to talk about is specifically for the V60 um, and not for necessarily the Kalita or the Melita, even though you could probably transfer some of the techniques over to those brewers themselves. Uh, he goes in to talking about the v60 specifically he prefers the plastic which um i think i've talked about before the reason why he goes plastic is a you don't have to worry about breaking uh the actual brewer itself whereas the ceramic as well as glass you're always and i have a glass filter that i use not filter but v60 and i agree like there is some bit of that man i should probably be careful uh hope I don't drop this thing. <laughs> and a lot of those kind of ideas kind of go into my mind sometimes, especially when I'm having it dry on my drying rack with the other dishes. I'm like, ooh, that big uh, pot that I used to make pasta last night, I hope it doesn't fall while I'm sleeping and break my V60. Um, so there is definitely, besides heat retention, which is what the main reason a lot of professionals as well as um, more serious uh, coffee brewers uh, choose plastic because it has a better heat retention than the ceramic as well as glass. Um, we've, we just see him recommend it. Uh, well, I mean, again, for those reasons, slash I recommend it for <laughs> other reasons outside of, you know, just heat retention. Um, you can also, he goes into the kit. Now, 
obviously he's British, and I think that's a large part of the reason why a lot of people <laughs> really enjoy him, not just because of his wisdom, but man, everything sounds better with a British accent. Um, but anyways, like he goes into the kit of what you're going to need or the equipment, as I guess us Americans might call it. <laughs> you're going to need, of course, your V60, whatever, uh, whether you go ceramic, glass, or plastic, you're going to need, he recommends the Hario Drip Decanter just because it comes with its own plastic V60 in there. Again, any decanter or even going straight into a mug will work. Uh, he goes into which specific filter, the paper filter. It's the white V version 2 um, or O2 of the Hario filter that he uses, and he has a whole episode about that. Um, a lot of people found that when you use the brown uh, filters, no matter how much you go and, you know, pre pre-wet and pre-heat those filters that kind of like papery taste still finds its way into your drink at the end of the day slash there's difference in flow rates that come from it and from my own experience as well as talking with other baristas like I don't know a single one of us who uses the brown uh, paper filters but hey if you kind of enjoy that taste added to your coffee you know, who am I to say otherwise? So, you know, different strokes for different folks, but uh, we're going to move on. Um, we're going to go talk about how he uses it. He recommends, of course, a digital scale. And he goes into repeatable. I've said this before for the French press, why scales are so important. Um, but again, especially when you need a little bit more fine tuning, a digital scale is going to be of utmost importance. He recommends a spoon. Um we're going to move any spoon, uh, moving on to, uh, the kettle versus, so he goes into just a regular hot water kettle, which with the large spout versus which he says you can use, which is fine. I agree. Um, but of course we recommend electric gooseneck kettle would be ideal just to help your flow rate, having a little bit more control. Um, and as well as just a regular gooseneck kettle that you might heat up on a stovetop. The thing he goes into detail on, and I think really has, um, that's like small and a lot of people might overlook it, but is actually really important about kettles is if you're going from an electric hot kettle or with a wide spout or a wide spout, just stovetop kettle, and you're boiling your water there, or even if you're boiling water in a pot and then transferring over to a gooseneck kettle, you're losing without a doubt temperature and well, he goes into it later, and I'll go into it later too as well, um, about heat and why it's so important in regards to when you're brewing the coffee, why you're going to do hot water for light roasted coffee versus maybe you might do cooler water for the darker roasted coffees, and how that also affects your drawdown temp at the end of the day. That's why heat retention and actual the hot, like how hot your water is, is of utmost importance. And you know, I, we totally understand. And I totally understand if you don't have access to an electric kettle, you know, then you're going to try to boil that water as hot as possible and, um, and pray, you know, to some degree, you know, just, just know going in that you're not necessarily getting the most transparent, um, coffee at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if, 
you go on uh, Amazon, how expensive, like those cheaper electric gooseneck kettles, but I don't think it was ever more than like 50, I want to say. So it would be a worthy investment to at least look into. Uh, moving on to still, we're talking about the kit. He goes into beans and, um, I, he even uses, which I talked about, uh, on the last podcast about technique and what that means to transparency. If you haven't listened to my extraction, I think I called it like the Holy grail or the quest, uh, to go find like this mystic even extraction and what even extraction means, please go check that out. Um, take the time to go look, go back and listen because I talk about how techniques that we're recommending is all about trying to uh, um, basically kind of narrow down the bell curve on the basically extraction spectrum from under extraction to over extraction and having good beans is a important because if you go and muddle it down at least you know it's a you'll at least get some bit more of let's say those complex flavors that we look for in coffee but if you get low quality coffee it doesn't matter how transparent you make it if if you do the perfect technique and it's just bad coffee then you have really transparent bad flavor <laughs> like that's the best way to put it which again it, it it's unfortunate especially if you're working so hard to have great technique so make sure you kind of go and uh, find a coffee that you really enjoy or a roaster you really enjoy and buy that beans buying whole beans of course we go into that um the next thing he actually talks about those water before we talk about grinders here but water uh, soft water, pref like preferably. I use um, uh, like bottled water, uh, but like the massive ones that you could buy. Uh, just so I'm not trying to use as much plastic, which again I hate. Uh, I've used, of course, um, if you have like a Brita filter, would even be a, a step in the right direction. Um, but again, water is really important because if you put in water that doesn't taste very great on its own. And you try to brew coffee with that, well, that flavor's still gonna be there. So again, this is this is all about trying to make the most transparent cup of coffee or the most getting the most even extraction at the end of the day um, for the best flavor. Uh, so every input you like put in there is going to affect the quality of the output. So just keep that in mind. The grinder, of course, recommending a burr grinder, uh, electric hand crank, it doesn't matter as long as you try to make it as consistent as possible. I'm not going to dive too much into that since I just had that uh, episode about even extraction and how grind size and inconsistent grind size can affect that. He moves on to his re like actual, now we're really touching upon somewhat of the recipe portion. He goes 60 grams to a liter, which is a 16 and a half to one, which is fine. It's uh, 30 grams. Well, this is his what he actually brews with, though, is 30 grams to 500 grams for uh, two cups is his output. So you're looking at 250 grams uh, per each cup that he's brewing. And that's fine. I do a, I do like a 22 uh, grams to um, I think it's 320 right now is what I've been brewing for a coffee. Um, that I'm getting from Chapman Crafted, which I could definitely go lighter on because if I 
do this recipe. Let's check. Yeah, it's a 14 and a half to one, which is definitely heavier. Um, but again, I, I do it towards different coffees when I'm trying to bring out uh, in regards to the ratios. Um, so like really, you you could kind of do whatever you want, even going to a 17 to one, 18 to one. And this is what's important is you don't need to stick to a certain ratio. You're gonna adjust that ratio depending on what you're trying to bring out on that coffee. Um, and he also, though, goes into grind sizes saying it's too difficult to really show you, which I, I think is proper. We can only give so much of a visual slash uh, even verbal explanation of what we're trying to shoot for, like coarse or non, you know, finer salt, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, he does recommend though, if you're going to adjust anything in between two different cups to try to, when you're dialing in, he says change grind size first, um, not ratio to go finer on the grind size, just because he, his preference is, um, Obviously, when you change from finer to coarser, you're changing also the time that water is going to be hitting the coffee, how fast the rate of extraction is, which is totally fine. I think also it helps prevent you from a putting in more grounds of coffee, I think might also be his thought process on it. Because of course, if you try to lower your ratio, that means you're going to be adding more beans in or adding less water in so it's just that's gonna also affect the end actual brewing process so i think his way of kind of doing the actual variables to change is more so in regards to not having to change the inputs um to confuse people of water and be like the actual grinds themselves like the beans um and only having to touch one thing which is of course the grinder um, and that's all fine. I don't, I don't really see a problem. Like if you get to the point where you understand which variables that you're messing around with, I think you, you kind of know how to dial in, but if anybody's new, I agree. Changing grind size to go, um, and he goes finer. If you're finding out that it's really kind of over the top acidic, he's trying to bring out a little bit more of those like darker flavors. Cause again, it's going to, the water's going to be going through those finer grounds. Uh, it's going to be hitting those finer grounds for a longer duration and at a quicker extraction because it's a smaller, finer grind. Therefore, it's going to draw and extract at a faster rate, technically. Um, so you're doing two different things that's going to bring out more extraction. And again, if you do that, you might start running upon the right end of over extraction in regards to the extraction spectrum. And uh, if you find that it's being too bitter or you're finding it's really, really dry, uh, you're going to need to go and make it a little bit just slowly that you've reached that endpoint limit, start bringing it back to a little bit coarser. All right. So that's all in regards to Kit. And again, I'm only going in so much detail because, yeah, you can go watch his video, but um, this is kind of my input about this everything seems pretty much okay. And I enjoy the fact that he kind of touches upon some of the principles behind why you would only touch grind or, uh, why you would like water so important or what filters. But, uh, for the most part, the actual 
technique and process is quite simple. Step one, you go and grind the beans after, of course, weighing it out. Step two is he talks about preheating and pre-wetting the filter, which is totally normal. Step three, adding the grinds. Um, and he also recommends creating a well in the grinds. So, of course, once you put it inside the pre-wet filter, that's going to what he's trying to do now is making sure when you're actually blooming it, it tries to create that more even extraction and it's all going to be even, evenly saturated. So, uh, I mean, like that's totally fine. And it's also why he recommends, uh, swirling that bloom, um, is all with the purposes of making sure the water is hitting every single grind of coffee that you put in. So, Again, I, I, I hate to keep uh, referencing the last podcast, but that's why it was such an important podcast for you guys to understand is why we recommend in these techniques swirling, agitating, making sure while you're pouring in that you're, make, you're even in your distribution of water so it hits everything. Uh, because if you don't hit grinds, it's going to disrupt at the end of the day the time of when the extraction starts for each different bean in the same cup, which is going to result in an uneven extraction. So all these steps are trying to lead towards that even extraction. Um, he even goes into hot, hot water for light roast versus, and this is why we're talking about um, before the kettles and why kettles were so important because the hotter you do the water, okay, the in regards to actual extraction it's going to extract technically more because um even when it goes further down to draw down um the actual cooler the water is it takes longer for it to draw down which means it's a longer time of extraction of water hitting beans that means you're going to reach over extraction so hot water kind of helps it draw down at a more a faster rate at the end of the day when you're hitting the drawdown time slash you don't it's going to ensure that it's really extracting the the actual grinds themselves and a leaving that cup once the extraction's done making sure new fresh water in regards to tds is going in and being able to extract whatever you know is left within the beans to make sure you get as much of the extraction as possible it's if you start measuring TDS or total dissolved solids solvents, it's going to show you higher TDS if you use hot water. Um, and part of the reason why too is with like more darker roasts is maybe you don't want too much of that because then you're going to start running into, uh, you know, a, it's already a darker, um, like a flavor profile. And if you let that go in for too long, it's just going to increase the bitterness that's actually there. Uh, moving on to step five, which is he, he kind of goes into, uh, the bloom and kind of taking another like extra step in describing, um, he goes two grams of water for one gram of coffee. Um, which just means if he put in 30 grams of coffee, he wants to at least hit 60 grams of water. And that's, again, for the bloom, which he says you need to ensure that all that water goes in, that 60 grams of water at least, goes in, and 
you're letting it bloom up to 45 seconds. 30 seconds is probably best for A, which we did at my coffee shop, and what I do at home is around somewhere around 30 seconds um, for that full total bloom, um, but you can go up to 45 seconds. Now, just understand that depending on how fresh the coffee is and how kind of like old the coffee is, is going to affect the, how much CO2 is actually being released. If it's a fresher coffee, it has more CO2 stored up because it hasn't had the time to release those gases. You're going to expect a bigger bloom, therefore a longer amount of time to help release those gases so you get an easier extraction later on. Uh, older coffee has less CO2, so therefore you're going to get a, a, um, a shorter kind of like bloom um, because there's not that much that needs to actually be released. And you can really visibly see how, how, how fresh or, you know, how, you know, it even kind of goes into like how it's roasted. Um, but the actual bloom itself, how big it kind of grows. It's kind of like that science experiment with the volcanoes and the, you know, anyways. Uh, <laughs> you're basically, though, up to 45 seconds. Don't go over 45 seconds. And this, again, when I say don't go over it's towards your taste. However, in regards to testing, in regards to TDS, we're finding that 45 seconds is where you start getting diminishing returns, okay? Just diminishing returns on our taste preferences end game coffee. That's like all we're talking about here. So there is no right way, but we're just saying by testing standards, like basically what we're finding is that to our taste, we're thinking any if whenever we brew a coffee and we let it bloom for around th around 30 seconds, depending, I'm going to change that 30 seconds based off of the coffee's age, based off how on the roast on it, but 30 seconds and um, a, swirling that bloom to ensure that all the water hit those coffee beans so it's blooming all at the same time or as close as we can to that same time to narrow that bell curve. That's all we're talking about here. Um, moving on. He says now you're going to do, uh, you need to get 60% of your total liquid, okay, by a minute and 15 seconds. And for him, 60%, since his recipe is 500 grams of coffee for around two cups, that's 300 grams in after, and again, that's in total uh, with the bloom, okay? In total, 60% in by a minute and 15 seconds. Reason being, okay, you need to now, after you let all that CO2 out, replenish the water and ensure that beans stay hot. That's why he goes up to 60%. I think that's fine. This is not necessarily quite a consistent pour because you're going to be changing flow rate. To hit that 300 grams, you don't want to pour over the top fast. That's why we have gooseneck kettles that have almost like natural flow restriction. But you need to ensure you're getting that hot water in to ensure it's going to go through and keep pushing it along that extraction process in regards to heat. By putting in 60%, it's going to go relatively high on your V60. That's okay because you need to ensure that that water remains hot and that those beans remain around the same temperature as extract while it's extracting. The next step is now you're going to put the last 
40% in or to 100% uh, in the next 30 seconds after that a minute 15 with light pouring. So now again, it's not a consistent pour necessarily because again, you're now changing your flow restriction because now you put all that water in, you disrupted the, the actual grinds when you're pouring that water in. Now that at that point, they probably have settled and now you're just lightly pouring in so you don't disrupt that bed at the at the bottom of your actual um, v60 here do not be afraid and this is something that i was even taught and i i have to admit i always thought that you shouldn't pour on the sides on the actual paper itself okay because every there was like that almost like myth that it allowed water to run faster um down the sides, it would shoot down the sides, watering down your coffee. What they actually found is because you're not uh, disrupting the grinds as much, uh, you're, it's actually resulting in a longer drawdown, if anything else, because it's lightly hitting the actual water that's in the V60 itself. Um, since it's not necessarily creating a downward force, it's actually <laughs> resulting in a longer drawdown which is okay, but if you have too long of a drawdown, what do you run into? Again, longer drawdown means what? You're getting closer to over-extraction, okay? Because it's a longer amount of time that the coffee's extracting. Now, one thing is, if you are doing a recipe that is smaller than his, which I do, I only go up to 320 grams, I actually have to do a lighter flow rate overall because it's a smaller bed of coffee that the water's going through. Again, this is why, for me, this recipe doesn't work necessarily in one aspect. And that aspect is his ratio in, his final output. I can't drink 500 grams of coffee a day. I'll be shaking the whole day. <laughs> and again, he even said it's for, of course, two cups of coffee. I do 320 because it fits my mug really nicely. And it just means I should be lighter and pouring lighter on my flow rate and that's fine that's totally okay i have a nice kettle to do so it's just for you guys to understand why you're doing that you have less of a bed of coffee sitting at the bottom meaning there's less resistance for that water to go through therefore lighter flow rate to help stop pushing and disrupting those grinds at the bottom to ensure uh, you have the right amount of time that the water is actually extracting from the beans that's all it is so step nine, after you have 100% of your water into the V60, now you're going to stir, and this is why he has a spoon, or agitate to some degree, one way than the other, that just the water. You're not agitating. When I say agitate, do not agitate the grinds because all you, they already rested at the bottom for the bed. Now all you're doing is swirling one way and then one swirl the other way to stop creating a swirling motion, which is honestly counter- you know, intuitive when I say swirl and when he said swirl, and that's why I'm going to tell you, all you're doing is taking the spoon, just doing like 180 one way, 180 the other way. So you're just trying to knock off any larger beans that are still left on the sides down to the bottom and creating a little bit of that movement to make sure the heat's actually being evenly distributed throughout. Um, after that, you do one small swirl, not with a spoon, but when you're grabbing it, similar to the bloom, where you grab your V60 and kind of like swirl it around. Now, this is this is where I kind of had a problem because 
it's <laughs> you just went in and you kind of went in saying like, again, you have to be very careful with the spoon to not agitate the bed at the bottom, but then you're going to take it again and do another small swirl. I was like, eh, it's kind of counterintuitive for me. Um, I personally think like you taking the spoon, just kind of doing one way and the other is the as much agitation as you need at the end of the day. Anything more, and I think you're going to have uh, I think people are going to run into issues because they're going to get way too uh, hands-on <laughs> and get a little too into it. <laughs> but uh, I think you need to try for your own, your own, uh, like, you know, your own experience and what you find works for yourself. Uh, step 10. Finally, the drawdown. Like I said before, cooler water is going to take longer than hot water. That's all you kind of really need to know. You kind of want to finish around three minutes, though. That's kind of like that at the end of the day, you're kind of finishing somewhere around three minutes. Um, step 11, the flatbed is what you're looking for, of course. And that just means, again, you had an even extraction. You're, you, by creating a flatbed, flat bread, oh my God, I might be hungry. A flatbed, you might... What you need to understand is, again, you created a flat bed that's going to have this same flow rate out. You created this flat surface. That means not one single point is there uh, like a place where water is going to escape faster than other places. And that goes the same as why we have distributors as well as we take like so much practice. Well, now they have automated tampers, but why we practice creating a flat tamp is because we don't want to uh, create a path of least resistance anywhere around our puck of espresso because we want as even of an extraction as possible. So again, this same concept, okay, we're trying to create not a single path besides it all running through evenly through our bed of coffee at the bottom of our V60. Um, again, trying to find the most even or narrow extraction on the extraction spectrum. All right. And at the end of the day, you go and take it off once it's completely drawn down. Now, what at like what are my takeaways is basically where we're at now. How different was was this from my own recipe? Pretty much almost identical in some ways besides a I personally again use different ratios depending on the coffee okay when I dial in obviously I adjust like um, finer or uh, my grind size or going coarser depending on what I'm seeing in regards to flow rate however because I've dialed in and I dial in similar to espresso and stuff if, if I'm not and I think I can pull out a little bit more or I want a little bit more body, or I'm looking for something, something else, okay, that when I go finer, when I go coarser, it's still not providing me, that's when I start changing up ratios. Um, and moving on towards, I don't use a plastic, I use a glass, that's not a big difference. Uh, when I do like the final output, he does 500, I do 320, that's just a difference because I do it from only myself when I do a V60, uh, in regards to the stirring and agitation, normally, um, I'll do a swirl for the bloom. I don't do a swirl at the end just because again, I might do an agitation of the water 
um, like at the end. But uh, I also have something called the Mellow Drip, which if people don't know, is kind of like a honeycomb um, brewer that I've been messing around with I got as a gift. And it really is just like, it's so shocking at how like well it distributes the water and it does change some things in regards to flow rate that it's just takes some practice getting used to because it's going to result in like a really really slow drawdown um but it makes some crazy good coffee it's just one of those things that you guys should look up i'll do an episode on it why not and i'll, I'll tell you what my findings were but anyways yeah in regards to the end just making sure the water's evenly being distributed in regards to heat and then when it's resting in there making sure it's evenly distributed knocking off any extra grounds that are resting on the side of the paper filter so overall i would say the takeaway is yeah do i think the technique is a good technique yes do i think he did countless testings ensuring that he was going to give you guys a quality recipe to use as a guide not as a law Yes, I think he did. Now, what my biggest problem is, is not even with James Hoffman himself. It's with people who will go around and tell people. And when people hear that they're getting training, even at shops, and they're like, no, 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 no. Think about it. James Hoffman, he's a world barista champion. We have to do our pour overs only in this way. That's where I have a problem because it's not even James Hoffman. And if you watch his videos, he is so particular about ensuring he never uses words that are, you can only do it this way. It's restrictive. It's, he never uses those type of, you know, verbiage, you know, or language because of the problem we run into the coffee world so often is that as soon as someone finds some success in something, then they tell everyone else to do it that way. But maybe that success was because you randomly had good flow rate or you randomly, um, you had that one, like where all the stars were in line. It was a good coffee, you had good technique and you had um, the right timing on from when it was roasted to when you brewed it. Like there's so many different variables. That's why I cannot stress enough. When I recommend to you guys that you guys can like totally 100% use this recipe, like play around with it. And I say play around with it because I'm trying to push you guys to understand it. When I recommend something, it's only, okay, a recommendation for you guys to then further explore. That's how I'm going to put it to you guys. And again, I know it's hard because he has that really hypnotic British, you know, accent to like, take it as a law here. But again, please, 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 please challenge everything you hear because, and, and when I say challenge, do a proper challenge. Don't just say no, because I'm saying challenge. No, go test it for yourself. Go try it out. See what you think you could do differently and then try that thing differently and see if it was better or worse. That's why I recommend having like notes or notepad to write down while you brew as well as writing down your recipe. It's only going to make you a coffee brewer, a better coffee brewer and a better occasional barista at home. So again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will be um, posting a lot more now on social media. Um, so please check it out at the occasional barista on Instagram. I will be posting more YouTube videos. So please check it out there. And again, I hope everyone has a wonderful and uh, safe truly rest of the day. Goodbye.